Welcome to These Fucking Teenagers. Welcome back, I should say. Uh, It's been a long hiatus, like the show's Gossip Girl and Glee, which we cover, but I am back, uh, broadcasting not from my usual Los Angeles, but from the upper, upper east side. so First, you're 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 past the wasps and and into the uh and in, in, into the brown people. Yeah. I've I've uh, I've gone past African American Harlem and I'm heading into Dominican Harlem. Wow. I'm actually I'm right on the here at uh 112th, right? I'm right on the corner uh of uh of 112th and and 2nd Avenue. Uh and here via Skype with Ryan Sheely. How are you, sir? I am great. I am glad to be back. Uh I'm you know, it's it's good that our uh are you know both both of our shows that we study are uh, set in schools and follow the academic calendar, and so this is you know where I'm I'm well into my second semester and uh, I'm I'm ready to be to be back from break just as our friends at uh, at uh, Constance Billard's School for Girls uh, are. Well, really, more our friends. We have more friends at NYU than we do at Constance. I guess that's a good point, but I that's an I, yeah, and we've talked about that a bit. Um, Though in the last few weeks, I think the preponderance of the scenes have been um, in 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 the standard gossip girl locales of these sort of in and around the Upper East Side. So if not in Constance, in that sphere of influence, rather than you know down below Fourteenth Street or um, God forbid across the East River. Right, right, yeah, and they they would never be uh, caught dead sitting where I am sitting uh, right now. In East Harlem, and uh, I apologize in advance to the listeners if you hear the occasional siren or you know uh, shouting in a language other than English outside the window. But this is this is the reality of New York life, not the New York depicted in Gossip Girl, but uh, the actual the the gritty urban streetscape which I traverse uh, <laughs> because I am so hardcore. Well, that's. I mean, um, it must be a shock. Uh, have you have you forgotten how to walk? Uh, you know, coming back to the East Coast from uh, from, from from Los Angeles, you, do you have, are you having scooter withdrawal? Um, no, right. It's <laughs> it's true. We uh, so uh, Ryan sort of revealed that he is a uh, he is of the academic persuasion. He is a uh, a professor, a college, not a graduate school professor. That's right. A, a professional school professor, professional I should say. Professor. And uh, I am a uh, professional school student on the other end uh, of the country. Uh, he, in the environs of uh, the Northeast and me in Los Angeles, uh, where I am in, of all things, acting school. Though, uh, uh, while Ryan is a political scientist, my background is in... English literature, and we say this for the new listeners who maybe haven't heard us, who maybe haven't, you know, through the previous nine, eight or nine episodes, haven't been uh, been there with us all the way. You should certainly go back uh, and download all of them, especially the one entitled Experimental Noise Collective, <laughs> where we where we essentially uh, attempt to alienate the audience. Yeah, I guess so, so, you know, you say, welcome new listeners, and then you go, <laughs> go ahead and, and, and really uh, separate the wheat from the chaff. Right, uh, exactly. So, um... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm I'm tooting back and forth from from school on my uh yeah, on my little scooter. Actually, I you know, now that I've learned to see cities from a scooter's eye view, 
provided it's not too cold out, New York City strikes me as the ideal scooter city because it it has some of the advantages of a car and uh, gets around some of the disadvantages of a car. Uh, and- namely that you can kind of weave and, and uh, be flexible about traffic and stuff. That's so. Do you weave? I mean, I don't know a lot about the norms surrounding. Uh, no, you know, I don't surrounding uh, scooter weaving. I actually, I, I actually don't. Uh, the The default posture, not that we're getting off topic or anything, but the d- default posture of drivers in California since they passed their no texting law is looking straight down at their laps where they have their cell phones uh, held between their knees as if hidden. From you know, <laughs> from the prying eyes of the cops, and they they like have their their thumbs hooked on the steering wheel uh, from below as they you know text with their pinkies or something oh, on wow. the you know on the phone, and and occasionally you know every fifteen twenty seconds or so they deign to look up to uh, you know evaluate risks to other cars, pedestrians, motorcyclists such as myself. Uh, Right. So, no, I do not. And and if we have any any listeners who ride or who wish to ride, I I certainly would not recommend uh, to our impressionable young listeners that, you know, the demographic of uh, Glee and Gossip Girl. Don't don't lane share. It's never safe under no circumstances. Don't go between the cars. You know, you know. Speaking of of people who who sort of misinterpret and appropriate laws and continue to break them, uh, the 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 wealthy of the Upper East Side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gossip. So, Gossip Girl is back. Glee won't be back until after American Idol has its finale. So, uh, it's going to be Gossip Girl for the next uh, for the next month or so. Right. Um, uh, and we should say before uh, before we get into anything uh, that you can follow us on Twitter at uh, TFT Podcast. You can uh, email us at podcast at overthinkingit.com. And the phone number, if you'd like to leave a voicemail to be played back on the show, is uh, 203-285-6401. That's 203-285-6401. So, 2020 Fat Jog 01. 20 Fat Jog 01. That's right. Um, yes. And, you know, isn't it funny? There's no one, there's no one in Gossip Girl who's fat. And yet, uh, you never see anyone exercise. Well, I guess you saw Nate. The you dudes know, exercise. You play never lacrosse. See, you never uh, see them soccer. do it. Yeah, they, they, you know. Um, but all of the sports that are played, there's um, even in the first season. Uh, Nate and Chuck played basketball, and like you know, I think like Chuck is playing basketball in, in some holy sports inappropriate uh, outfit. Uh, you know, like he's wearing a bow tie to play basketball. <laughs> like that. Um, so, but all of the sports that happen are, um, I, I, I think. Well, with almost without exception, um, but listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, are sort of they're a venue for sort of bro down conversations, right? It's 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 conversations between men um, happen while after kicking around a soccer ball, right? Uh, or a or a lacrosse match or shooting shooting the hoops. Um, I don't know. Do we see? Um, do we see? I, I don't think we see any women exercising. You know, you never see anyone going to the gym. I mean, um, you never see anyone uh, going out for a jog. You know, Serena, uh, Blair. Uh, no, right, and yet they and yet they maintain you know model skinny figures. Well, Blair had an eating disorder, right? That was a major plot point in season season one, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yes. Sure. That I mean, that is a practical way to do it, I suppose. 
I mean, it's, uh, it's, 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 yeah, bulimia and, and boning, right? Um, <laughs> there is a lot of boning. I guess you do see, uh, you do see a great deal of boning on, on the show, including, uh, I, one of the recent three episodes, we're three episodes in, uh, coming back from the hiatus, uh, they're doing it, you know, on the floor, up against the the fridge, on the kitchen counters. Yeah. Nate and Serena are. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about this. I mean, this wasn't in our outline, but um, you know, this could hopefully get us into some of the topic, other things we wanted to talk about. But I remember the title of our last show before the hiatus was uh, "Is Our Teenagers Fucking?" Right. Right. And and I think that it was prompted by a question. Actually, um, the ti- the title of the episode was "I Consider Concision to Be One of My Principal Virtues," <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, the tagline on the homepage. Of overthinkingit.com was is our teenagers fucking right 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 and, and we've was- learned we've learned indeed that our teenagers is fucking at least some of our teenagers is fucking and right. other of our teenagers is not fucking and lying about it right so this is a interesting thing right so what what's happened in the in in the world of Gossip Girl is you know because Gossip Girl there is a lot of um, yeah, uh, although we've we've argued that it is about social power and the uses and forms of social power, yep. um, you know that that the sort of pursuit of sex and the sort of entanglements that come from the pursuit and consummation and hiding uh, of 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 romantic and sexual relationships, you know, provides a lot of the the of the drama, right? Um, that's 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 going on. It's what the people want. Um, it seems like uh, what's interesting, what's happening in uh, over the last three episodes, is that we're starting to get um, a lot more alignment in in the coupling, right? That uh, you know, this is an unprecedented in in the sort of you know two and a half seasons of the show right. that that you're actually starting to get almost all of your principles um, of the sort of college cohort of the older cohort. Um, uh, coupling up right so that you have and you know uh blair and chuck were the first of that uh to be um to 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 sort of lock in i followed think, by nate and serena followed follow, by dan right, and vanessa right exactly and in so, exactly the configuration that you might have suspected would exactly. happen in season one episode one yes 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 exactly so i mean this so we're in an interesting place where you know um so up till now there's been a lot of this you know, almost some of the contrivance of a, of a romantic comedy of you know miscommunication of other people getting involved, of mistiming, of 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 people just sort of dissembling and and you know lying about their their affections for one another. And now we're really um, you know the the sort of side characters are are out of uh, you know the sort of Hillary Duff is gone um you know the various other uh short arc romantic entanglements are gone right um and 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 we're really like locking in to these these uh relationships that have been uh hinted at and 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 in all three of those um there's definitely uh lots of lots of lots of the sexy times um, yeah, absolutely. Well, to the point where it's to the point where it's kind of a joke, where Blair can you know make fake sex noises right. uh, in in her room just to piss off uh, Serena, who's you know boning Nate out in the kitchen. Right, right. I think um, I think what's interesting. So here's my prediction. I mean, again, um, I think 
So I think they're going to go. And here's, you know what? I'm going to interrupt you. I'm going to stop right on you. There's, there's an interesting moral attitude, right? Because, uh, we, we recently had this sort of will she or won't she deflowering drama with Jenny and, um, you know, and, uh, oh, what was his name? Damien. Damien. Yes. Yeah. And the aptly named Damien, uh, Right. And Serena taking her out to lunch, talking about what a big deal her first time is. And, it, you know, in the moral universe of Gossip Girl, it seems like your first time, uh, kind of like your first cotillion or something, is very important. But every time after that doesn't matter for shit. Right, right, right. And you just, you know, I mean, you, you do it as much as you can with as many right. people it's, it's as you ritual, like. Right? It's a ritual, right? A, it's a rite of passage. Um, exactly. Uh, uh, like, uh, like, like circumcision in the communities where I work, uh, in, in, in East Africa, <laughs> except, except not at all like that. Yeah. One, one woman's circumcision, another woman's genital mutilation. And, uh, you know, it's sort of soul mutilation, if you will, if I can, if I can really trivialize everything by comparing the two things together, uh, is, no, but, uh, I, but I think that, I, um, I mean, What's uh, interesting is is you know given that a lot of the, our discussions about um, you know this is a lot of this episode is bringing new listeners up to speed. One of the things we've talked a lot about is is structure and agency, right? right. Um, and and the ways in which uh, social norms, social institutions, um, you know, do or do not. Uh, sort of constrain uh the actions of individuals and so you know it's it's tempting to to look at you know the the wealthy uh wealthy teenagers of of the upper east side in comparison to uh their counterparts in in east africa and say well these 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 young women in 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 the upper east side they have lots of agency they you know how can you even compare them how can you trivialize and and yet you know the the way that we were talking about the the discourse around sort of uh, uh, of virginity, uh, the importance of that, and why Jenny even lies about losing her virginity. Well, yeah, I want to get that, into shows, yeah. shows that this is that there are constraints that there is um, social power at work that that's not even the kind of power that's wielded by anybody, but that is uh, in this kind of web, this, this web of meanings, right. Of, of what would be called a, a hegemonic discourse uh, following on uh, Gramsci. Sure. And that's, that's uh, when uh, I feel like we, we should back up and clarify a couple things. When, when Ryan says he works in East Africa, he works there uh, research, doing research for his own political science work and, and ethnography work. Yes. And, um, uh, and when we say Gramsci, we're talking about a political scientist. Gramsci was a uh, Marxist, a post-Marxist uh, philosopher um, who, who. Oh, you uh, say potato. <laughs> well, you know, as as a political scientist, all y'all, all I, I, y'all I, I, in your, all y'all in your cushy jobs. <laughs> no, so Gramsci was different, right? So I mean, I don't know a lot about Gramsci. Was. Um, a, a a largely a a political activist. I mean, you know, the book that he's known for is called the Prison Notebooks, and that's not like an ironic total, title. He wrote that in prison, um, in 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 Italy. Um, and and his thoughts, you know, he falls into post Marxism in that, you know, in in, in arguing that uh, how sort of economic relations, um, you know, is, uh, relations of production, um 
the the sort of social and cultural effects that they produce are not just epiphenomenal. They're not just so Marx sort of thinks that it's ultimately about uh, class structure and and ac- the the you know access to capital, right? Um, and everything else is just kind of window dressing. Um, and what Gramsci says is, well, that just doesn't fit with the fact that um, that that culture seems to assert a, a autonomous amount of power over individuals' actions and decisions. Um, and, and this is not just really false, false consciousness per se, right? And, so, and this is where the idea of hegemony comes from, and, and, that it's, and, and that it's not a form of power that's wielded by a given class over right. another, but it is this, this more diffuse form of power that, that resides in discourses uh, and, and in social norms and in, in, in just the definitional power of, uh, of what, things, what things are and what they mean. Which, is, so, not, which is not wielded by anyone right. per se, Right. right, and this is the thing, you know. Uh, the late Howard Zinn, whose passing I think we ought to acknowledge, given our subject matter, um, would write about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and David Simon's The Wire dramatized this extremely effectively. I mean, which is why I think actually when they look at this past decade, The Wire is going to be the work of art that that stands out in a hundred years, the way Dickens stands out uh, to us now as a portrait of a society at a particular time. I mean, Dickens, you know, Dickens chronicled the conditions in England that Marx also observed uh, that gave rise that, you know, that gave rise to uh, to Marxism anyway. And David Simon chronicles the um, the fact that, you know, at a certain point, there is no conspiracy. It's just the nature of the institutions now are such that uh, it's it's nearly impossible to change them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, uh, before we I, I respond to that, just complete this analogy for me. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Dickens is to the wire as blank is to Gossip Girl. Dick, uh, Dickens is to the wire as oh, you know what? Uh, I actually can complete that. Um, Exactly. Uh, Dickens is to the wire as Dumas fils uh, La Dame aux Camélias, which is translated into English as Camille, which is a, a 19th century melodrama, mm-hmm. um, you know, about a prostitute who kind of reforms in spirit, uh, falls in love with a young nobleman, is going to marry him, can't marry him, his father intervenes, there's social drama, mm-hmm. uh, high and low status, there's actually even a Chuck Bass figure in it. Um, and in the end, she dies of tuberculosis. Wow! Uh, right, her her uh, her illness of the soul being recapitulated in an illness of the body. Wow. Uh, Dumas, D U M A S, fee the son, the illegitimate son, actually of Alexander Dumas, who mm-hmm. who wrote, you know, who was the the big writer in France. Um, and the the play is translated into English as Camille. If any of our listeners want to uh, want to check it out, but that was you know I have been thinking actually a lot about the 19th century in watching Gossip Girl, mm-hmm. uh, be, you know about the melodramatic tradition and about the well made play, which was this sort of non tragic sort of melodrama. And the well made play is is um, has its roots in like French neoclassicism, where there are these you know tightly. Uh, tightly constructed plots that hinge on the revelation of a secret. Mm-hmm. Uh, Screebs a glass of water is is maybe the best example. And it's, you know, constantly uh, uh, suspense is, is built through entrances and exits of characters. There yeah. are a lot of letters being exchanged. A letter yeah. shows up at the last moment or a letter goes astray. You know, there's a big scene in which the secret is revealed.
revealed and it's revealed who the lovers actually are and whose ambitions are going to be thwarted and you know um this the you know this this power struggle and i was thinking mm-hmm. of it specifically because you know you talked about miscommunication right. uh being a dramaturgical element in uh in the romantic plots that have been right. that right. have been right. unfolding and you know one of the things it struck me uh it's it's not all that different from what was going on in the, in the 19th century with the um uh, the exchange of letters, and I'll, I'll digress to say that when we think of letters, we think of you know uh, contemporary postal systems, national postal systems, mm-hmm. which are slow and terrible, uh, yeah. pretty much everywhere but Germany, where where in Germany apparently you can drop anything in a post box and it will be anywhere else in Germany the next day. Like the next, the next morning, go figure. Right. Uh, we'll get to, we'll get to talking about Europe in a little bit, but, um, but at the time, you know, in England at the time, right. Uh, uh, letters were more like email, and there were these there were these sort of official and also kind of private couriers, They're private couriers, right. constantly sprinting across you know the urban uh, the cities anyway, um, delivering letters five six times a day. So there's, you know, ye, ye old bike messengers, right? right? Yeah. yeah. So as you may check email five or six times a day, you know the, the letters were constantly coming in. So this was a really instantaneous form of communication. Uh, you know, more like more like email or texting than it is like our contemporary post office where, yes, you know, yes. like a prayer, you know, with good luck, it may get there in, in three, three days. So um, uh, I was thinking about all the missed calls, yes. right? And the shot, the kind of the stock shot that has become a contemporary cliche of like one missed call mm-hmm. flashing on the screen of someone's phone. And I, I, I just pause in passing to note that no one seems to have like an iPhone or a Blackberry or a, uh, you know, a smartphone at all. They all have these, these, I guess what in the, the technology trader called feature phones, like the flip phones that do, well, you know, texting they, and, like, and cameras and whatnot. They're, um, <clears throat> I'm sure that's a product placement. Yeah, thing. right. Cause their product placement is with uh, Verizon, right? Which just has, I mean, well, I guess there's, there's some Verizon every, you know, every, every major carrier has big, 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 uh, big phones uh right now but maybe they yeah. have a specific um cell yeah. phone deal too also so that doesn't intersect with they don't have like a uh the, the the venn diagram of like smartphones and smartphones available on the carrier that they um that they're with uh is 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 null um yeah because it just doesn't seem realistic that all these you know people who who are Uber privileged and cutting edge in every other aspect. Right, uh, have flip phones um, anymore? Though uh, you know, I guess these kids today, right? Uh, actually, if you are a if you're a high school student, uh, can you can you call in or write in and tell us about you and your your peers' phones? Because I I have a um, I have a, a feeling, Ryan, that the that the uh, smartphones are not that the iPhones and the Blackberries are not as prominent among teenagers as they are among young professionals. I don't know. I, I actually um, so I, a, a few data points on this. I mean, certainly my my cousin, who's now a a college sophomore, um, but last year was a college freshman. Definitely, when she lost her flip phone and and replaced it with a BlackBerry, um, and and I think that. Um, especially in the like older high school, so like older high school, young college set. I think you know, just you know, when I'm out at uh, at the the independent rock and roll shows um, that I that I frequent, um, you know, there's definitely 
you know, the, 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 the people tweeting and IMing uh, on their, on their smartphones uh, and texting aren't, you know, are not, just the young professionals, but it seems like, um, you know, and even when I, when I TA'd for undergraduates, um, the smartphones are kind of becoming the default device. Um, and, and they're kind of even a little, in some ways I, I would almost seem to be overtaking the kind of smartphones or, you know, text enabled phones that are marketed Towards teens, right? Things like the Sidekick, right? The sidekick, so the si- yeah, or the ones they're all. The, there's this whole class of phones where the the uh, keyboards kind of pull out to the side. Right, 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 right. Which is 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 directly oriented. No, but I think that um, like a BlackBerry or uh, 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 iPhone is certainly, especially when the iPhone. You know, every time a new Apple product comes out, right? It's an easy kind of status uh, yeah. thing. Sure. Thing to, well, okay. Um, yeah, like in um, you know, a good example of this is uh, uh, NYC Prep, right? The um, the the real world Gossip Girl that was on uh, the reality show on on Bravo, and I think a lot of them had had smartphones, um, and and these were real live uh, Upper East Side teenagers. So, but again, uh, these are these are small. This is a small number of uh, of data points, and and hardly hardly rigor- rigorously selected. Well, we'd love to. I mean, we'd love to hear from you actually about. I'm actually I'm actually really curious about you know what the kids today are uh, are texting on. But, right. Okay. While, can while we... they're downloading things on the waffles. Right. Yeah. While they're down. Da- <laughs> Um, hey, we'd, we'd still that's, that's love a callback. That's a callback. Go back through. If, you, if you're a new listener, uh, you know, you'll, you'll get actually, that. I, w- I, I want to give a shout out to listener chimp chimp, mm. um, you know, who, uh, who helped us out a little bit on that score. Uh, n- uh, not with the waffles specifically, but Hey, if you, if you're on the waffles, you know, uh, we podcast overthinking com. We love an invite or, or whatever's, you know, whatever's the new thing. I mean, probably like the fact that we're getting an invite means that it's over, right? Yeah, um, it's true. You know, yeah. We're too, we're too old for that. For yeah, uh, totally. It's like, it's like, Oh no, man, you gotta go to like, you know, fannypack.gov. <laughs> Can you? Um, <laughs> that's fanny-pack.gov. P-A-C. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Political Action Committee. Hey, can we talk about Jenny Boning? Yeah, let's let's go back to that. So I think we can we can connect this, right? Though, so um, you know, so you were you were talking a lot about communication. Um, so let's let's bracket the the missed call right. um, uh, thing, but it comes into play in, into the plot of that episode, right? But so you know, to to connect to your sort of uh, the 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 sort of your connection of French melodrama, right? Um, uh, to this, right? So th- these are times, right? So these are although it depicts life of pri- uh, of privilege, like the fact that there are some things that are in the public sphere and some things that are secret and some things that are transmitted as gossip. Um, you know, these the the existence of these. Uh, of these means of communication, whether they are the sort of courier letters that are are misdelivered or delivered too late, uh, or the um, you know the text messages, you know the like the the medium matters, right? And it, and it tells us something about the this this web of um, 
of, of social discourse, right? Because it's a, it's it's not only what's being communicated, but how it is, or and if it, if the communication is received, right? So um, all of these things kind of come together to, to you know to say that this is constructing the the sort of essence of this. R- uh, ritual of of virginity and and the of the first time that was the subject of the most recent uh, right. uh, episode of Gossip Girl, which was called the sixteen year old virgin, right? right. Um, so the, the analogy being the analogy being to the forty year old version, the Steve Carell uh, movie, with the implication I think being that it is equally outrageous in this context to mm-hmm. have a sixteen year old version. Yes. yes. Um, yeah, I think that that's um, so. Can so let's. I mean, let's unpack some of this stuff a little bit. I think that I think that it's a crucial detail that Jenny doesn't sleep with Damien because, as it turns out, he's a douchebag, uh, and and she realizes this and recognizes that in fact, you know, this is not what she wants to. You know, she's not in it for the boning; she's in it for. Uh, some other things, and we can talk about gender norms if you want, but that she tells, I think the crucial detail is she, t- she tells Serena that she did do it, which yes. is like the, you know, it, I've, um, if, if, uh, if Gossip Girl is among other things, we'd say it's a show about power. The word ulteriority also yes. comes up. That is to, uh, a lot in our discussion of Gossip Girl, which is to say, could you, could you unpack that for us? <laughs> uh, ulteriority is Robert Frost's, uh, term for, uh, the the gap between what a work of art purports to mean and what it actually means. Um, so we we uh, I mean we see it in all kinds of artifice. Uh, I think Gossip Girl is in Gossip Girl, and I wrote about this actually on Overthinking It um, in an article that I got, I got no comment because I think it was very I think it's very dense. We we I guess on the site we have a a conversational uh, writing style, and this was like extremely. Uh, dense, but I think identity is constructed performatively in uh, uh, in goss- in the world of Gossip Girl. That is, you kind of decide what you want to be, and you go through the motions mm-hmm. of kind of uh, you tick off the check boxes mm-hmm. of uh, doing that thing. And a great writer on this is Judith Butler. If you're interested in in the kind of identity based uh, literary and cultural criticism. Um, and and uh, performative construction that is by doing construction of uh, of identity and so this is you know this is in a sense Jenny being a um, uh, Jenny being an artist of herself right that yes. she's kind of she's kind of choosing the identity uh, that she wants and we we've we've said on this show before that it is the implication uh, sorry that it is uh, it is the telos of the girl to go wild. Yes. You know? yes. <laughs> and that, yes. That Jenny seems to be the one who um, uh, who does this repeatedly. I read on some site, I forget where. Oh, I think it was on. Uh, I think it was on uh, New York Magazine. I think it was on um, the either the Vulture blog or something else on. The I, think New York... they, I think they do their their recaps. Uh, the Gossip Girl recaps are on the Daily Intel. Okay, Daily Intel. Right. Yeah. It was, and that's exactly what it was. It was the Daily Intel where uh, they had, I think, readers writing in, and someone said, "I can't believe that every half dozen episodes, uh, Rufus looks at Jenny and says, I don't recognize my little girl anymore. <laughs> like, did you not recognize her the time she ran away from home? Did you not recognize her the time that she? And keep in mind, at the at this point, Taylor Momsen was." 
was 15 years old, right? Stripped down to her underwear and was doing like a sexy dance in that photographer's <laughs> loft, which of course we, which the camera of course was privy to. So we were sort of, we, I, we were like, this was presented to us a, as entertainment value. And like, you know, and, and all over, overthinking it, we get, we talk about the ulteriority of our, of the pleasure that we derive from watching television, whether it's <laughs> Law and Order Special Victims Unit, where I continually contend, and nothing can dissuade me from this point of view, that the real pleasure is actually in, uh, is actually in the crime, right? That there's a kind of illicit, um, there's a kind of illicit thrill that we get from like the teenager being raped or whatever. And that, you know, that the, the whole apparatus of law and order is, is there to kind of make it safe for us in this narrative context to, um, uh, uh, to experience this illicit thrill, and the the you know the best antecedent of that is like the spate of marriages at the end of a play like right, a Midsummer right, Night's right, Dream. Right, the right. whole point has been running around the forest where everybody's fucking everybody. Someone's even fucking a uh, um, someone's even fucking a donkey, right? Uh, but you know, there's a, there's a spate of marriages at the end. It's okay. Never mind. We were in it. You know, the the reason we paid our, our uh, money, right. Is to, is to see everyone fucking everyone in the forest. Right. Um, any, anyway, so, uh, you know, how can Rufus say all of this? Like, hasn't, hasn't this ship, um, hasn't this ship, uh, say, I think the adult and gossip girl are some of the, the, the worst parts of it. Anyway, sorry. Construction, construction of identity. Uh, Jenny is, Jenny is kind of, um, triangulating her position within the discourse, uh, that she finds herself in. Well, that's right. But then there's a second layer here, right? So like, let's just like, so we've added this layer. So the, the form of social power we've been talking about, uh, in this, in this episode of, of the podcast is about this kind of discursive power, which right. is, I think called, um, some theorists call kind of the, you know, the third face of power. Um, but uh, you know, after I think what, after, after violence and, uh, and, and, and then sort of, I think like, I mean, legitimate uh, like, political sort of, power. Yeah. Sort of like agenda setting power. I see. Um, um uh, and so, um, I think what's interesting though is that so there is a different level on which so on one hand she is kind of performing this expected gender role, but then there's a specific you know you got to remember that also the the Jenny is um is the queen right and so there there's there is a sort of social uh sort of almost political office right the the sort of uh there's so there's a strategic reason to say that she lost her virginity as well um because you know if um if you know we we had seen this in uh episodes uh earlier uh with her i think relationship or in relation to how she was dealing with uh with her half brother eric right is that well if uh if she doesn't if people if her followers do not believe that she did this then uh her authority collapses right so that there is a strategic aspect in terms of um buttressing uh that more proximate kind of of you know what we can call kind of political power, right? Uh, of of being the queen of Constance, um, th- and then I think there's also so like we a- haven't seen Constance at all, you know, in the last three episodes. That, that's that's true, and she's been, you know. She's been playing on the international stage, actually, with her big jet-setting diplomat son uh, boyfriend. No, that's right, and so let's um, let's. Yeah, so I think that's an interesting point that, and and the, the, this whole arc was set off by. Um, you know, after she kind of, you know, 
there was an arc early in the season where she kind of consolidated her power by um, sort of uh, how, what what happened. She uh, she walked at uh, at Cotillion with Nate Archibald, right? Exactly. Right. Um, and and then from then on, she was kind of bored with being queen. Right. She beat the game, um, and so. Um, um, and so, and so early. Well, this when- is yeah. I mean, this is. I mean, she's she's really you know she's an interesting character in in a lot of ways. Not a super well written character, but if you really follow out some of what we've been given about yeah. her, yeah. she in a way exceeds Blair in uh, intellectual power because she oh, is right. able to. Um, uh, to kind of think outside uh, outside the structure, as it will. Like well, Blair, wait, Blair can navigate. She's engaging in these kinds of uh, – in a kind of creative – if culture is a text, right, she's engaging in this kind of creative misreading, right, right. Of, of, of the culture um, to, uh, to kind of rip off and, and possibly badly paraphrase, uh, you know, Harold Bloom. Yeah. Um, and, but, you know, I think that it's something that I've thought about a lot that, you know, in some ways – I think this is one possible avenue of social change is or in, and cultural change is in these kinds of strong um, misreadings of of cultural influence does that does that make sense Should yeah we- absolutely um, and so I think you're absolutely right and so that um, I think you know to, to, to paraphrase is that Jenny is one of these characters that is actually shows more agency than than other characters especially you know if the telos is to go wild right um and 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 what's interesting is that um you know we have seen her go wild before um and you know this time she did not go through with it right um and and yet you know so there's there's a a tension between there's there's private uh decisions that are at odds with the expectations yet an acknowledgement of those uh, decisions right so she's ne- negotiating all of these expectations on on a variety of levels um and is very i think is very is very uh, savvy in that way um and 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 i think you know made a similar move in in the sort of initiation of the relationship with Damien, who is, uh, he was introduced probably about five episodes ago, right? Just, um, just before the break, right. Uh, was when he, when he, when he showed up, um, and, and, you know, she hung out with him cause she was totally bored being the queen. And, you know, he sort of says, what does a queen do? Uh, and is kind of dismissive. And, um, and, you know, she thinks he's a weird, uh, elven European, yeah. um, and, and then finds out that he's selling drugs, Right, and then and that that begins this arc of Jenny as the drug dealer. Jenny, Jenny as the consort of the of the diplomat's son uh, is not eighty one, um, and uh, <laughs> uh, and 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 this arc of of her kind of engaging in international relations. Um, you know, although I guess not the effect uh, uh, the effect of which yeah because we get we've we've talked about the different the different. Um, 
arenas, the kind of, uh, uh, oh, I don't know what to call them, levels, I guess, on which power is transacted. And we've added international diplomacy to, um, to the list of, of them in these, in, uh, I guess, uh, three episodes ago in number 13. And, and the effect, I think, to me, is to collapse them all to say that, you know, the, the uh, international diplomacy, statecraft, is no more or less petty than, you know, high school, the, the politics of high school cliques. That's right. And that and there's something about ulteriority here. I think I think actually the drug deal is a trope of ulteriority because it um because it's one thing. They're always doing one thing. They're never actually doing a drug deal in a straightforward way. They're always doing one right. thing not, you know, as a pretext. The, the awesome days of the wire, right? Where you right. have your you have your runner, you have you know, you, you have the whole setup. Pandemic right? And spider bags, spider bags. <laughs> and the, no, it's there's always a, a cover that's a pretext for the for the drug deal going on underneath. Right. So what? Um, which one do you have in mind? Um, I, yeah, there's several. Oh, throughout the, the this, um, uh, she, they meet people at at a club. Their first date. Uh, I think that that was before the hiatus. Uh, their first date. Uh, you know, Damien out out comes the DVD that's that's full of drugs. Right. Uh, right. The the whole French party, uh, unbeknownst to the French, right, is a pretext for actually uh, uh, delivering drugs to the ambassador's daughter. Right. You know. Right. Um, in in the shrug, right? They they Jenny designs it. Jenny puts her her you know trade school skills to good use, uh, designing a shrug, which uh, the website Television Without Pity uh, calls a drug shrug. <laughs> I didn't know a shrug is the. Um, I, I didn't know what the the actual name for that that garment was. It's yeah, it's a like shrug. a tiny shoulders only jacket or something. Huh. Yeah. yeah. It's not exactly. I mean, I, I was thinking of it more as a short cape. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because there's, you know, it's like, you know, is it an old lady or a young lady? Um, you know, is it two faces or a vase? So, can we talk about Europe a little bit? <laughs> Let's. I mean, we're we're we're. Uh, I think I think we're definitely nuzzling up against it. Um, I think um, I think one one thought here, um, <laughs> and it kind of stinks because it doesn't shave its pits, but uh, um, but we'll 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 nuzzle undeterred. I hope, uh, uh, I, I, you know, it'd be interesting. I hope if there's any Europeans, I mean, I know that overthinkingit.com and the overthinking it podcast has a large, uh, European, uh, listenership and readership. Um, or I guess not in that order. Um, but, uh, I, I'm interesting if there's, you know, in the Venn diagram of Europeans and teenagers, uh, if there's any, you know, sort of European, uh, Europeans in the gossip girl demographic, if so, we'd, uh, um, you know, love to hear your take on uh, on 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 Gossip Girl. Um, yeah, are you? I mean, I wonder if they're getting it. Sometimes things like this are delayed uh, some period of time in Europe, so I wonder if they are exactly right where we are. I guess everyone everyone downloads everything off the waffles now, though. So you know, right. there's no. I mean, there's no distribution delay. There's no more windowing. Uh, right, as it's right. called in the biz. Right, right, right. So, but I think so. One one thing to think about here, right, is that in in international relations, um, you know, I think th- because one one is like tempted to think of international relations as a, a higher level of these kinds of, you know, of the Upper East Side power struggles. You know, it comes from this perspective, a, a tradition in international rela- relations. Excuse me, theory of of realism. Um, 
and 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 neo realism following on the theories of of Kenneth Waltz um who sort of says that you know states are the actors in international relations right so states are unitary actors yeah. and and the and this, the 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 dynamic of of international politics are are motored by this sort of the, the structural condition of anarchy, that states are the units and there's nothing above those states. And so you might have more or less powerful states, but those relationships are not relationships of, of hierarchy per se, but really are, are, are about just you know, larger or smaller billiard balls bouncing against each other. Right? But um, just the very institution of um, – you know, and so states are – so just one last thought on that. And that, that kind of – comes the idea of a state system that's defined by sovereign states. So states have, that have the right to rule within their uh, borders comes from the, uh, the the Treaty of Westphalia, right? That ends that ended the what the Thirty Years' War, I believe. Yeah. Um, and 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 that is the the system that created territorial sovereignty and the sort of European state system um, of of. Of modern, of, of sort of early modern Europe, right, and mi- middle modern Europe, really, um, and and I think that what that perspective ignores is something like the institution of of diplomacy, which itself is about has an extraterritorial element to it, right? So that um, how dip- diplomacy works is that you are putting an embassy. Um, which is like an island, an enclave of your sovereignty in another, in the space of another, uh, the spatial extent of another state, right? <laughs> and so it's about, um, <laughs> uh, and I wasn't even going for probably what made you giggle, but like I think what's interesting is that it's about, it becomes not about these unitary actors, but even in the relationships between these entities is ultimately about the networks of people right and so that it's it's ultimately it's that it's it's less about um pure sort of the states are not unitary actors but uh, rather there are interactions um, social interactions across these borders, um, and 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 what you were getting and within at. and within. I mean, we talk about you know we talk about uh, discursive power, right? right? We talk about a hegemonic discourse, right? Uh, and it's it's multivocal, and each sure. each voice seems to be uh, advocating and pursuing its own interests. But but these things kind of these things kind of add up to right. a uh, they they add up to a to a kind of a, a master vector a, a, you know the largest scale vector of um of power and that yeah. you know it's so it's not you know right it's not like the uh it, you know what it's like it's like the difference between classical economics and behavioral economics that's right um, could you could you could you, uh, <laughs> could, you cash, could you unpack that for us? <laughs> cash that out. I'll, I won't unpack it. I'll cash it out a little bit. Um, uh, that is to say, um, that is to say, it's not it's not a totally rational uh, it's not a totally rational endeavor. The idea in classical economics is that pe- people, rational people, um, capable of knowing their own interest, will act in their own interest. Uh, and recent you know recent psychological studies have given lie to that. Have given lie to that assumption. Ah, I'm a 
good teacher, you know, because this came up in an earlier podcast. And, uh, <laughs> and you're, you're, you're really uh, reiterated uh, in, a, uh, in a very faithful manner. Um, so I feel like, you know, you can, you can send your check to, you know where to send the check. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did read Dan Airely's book, you know, before <laughs> you and I had talked about it. <laughs> just funny. Or no, maybe I just saw him on TED, on the TED website or right, something. Exactly. It's, uh, it, it sounds like where that would be 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 cropping. Oh, I, I've I, you know I watched that uh, that TED um, video with you. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a good one. It's one of the better TED videos. You know, they're not all they're not all that good. Um, but so I think like so so what we're do- I mean what we're talking about is is you're you're positing that the, that uh, that Gossip Girl does the work of unmasking in a way the idea of an autonomous state or of a uh, of a univocal sovereign state. Right, uh, exactly. Which is the the sort of singular actor in um, in, inter- in international diplomacy in statecraft. Well, that's right, and and I think that so that um, and that that a lot of the action happens in the relationships between diplomats and between you know between diplomats and 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 the sovereigns or the 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 court of a um, a sovereign nation, and so as a result, this kind of diplomatic intrigue um, or the relationship between diplomats they 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 just they're they're members of the same society in some sense right um and and i think especially in early modern europe um this is especially the case right so that all of all of you know although there were you know post westphalia things that looked like like sovereign states i mean up until the french revolution you know the whole structure of 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 power um and the way in which states were consolidated wasn't primarily through um conquest per se and and sort of conquering of territories but was through dynastic inheritance and marriage right and this was sure. you know this aristocracy uh, they were um you know whether it was whether it was french british german uh habsburg um you know they were intermarried right the russian right and and this was uh um you know everyone was everybody's cousin right and and this was what the nobility was was about right and so that so diplomacy in that sense and even warfare um within you know the the the, the type of warfare you know the, the most common cause of, of warfare in early modern Europe was was dynastic disputes, and the, these were, um, you know, would be very recognizable to the types of things that Blair, the types of conflicts that Blair has waged throughout the entirety of the series, right? Of of kind of private war to to resolve a a property dispute between the, yeah, members the, of the same society. The interesting one that comes to mind is the dispute between Elizabeth the uh, first and Mary Queen of Scots. Uh, because mm. it because it involves two women, and and I guess that that brings it to mind with respect to Gossip right, Girl. For right, me. right, right. So I think that so I think that what this the role of diplomacy um, shows here, and and what you were getting at when you were were sort of pointing out this leveling of diplomatic interchange uh, and being kind of put on the same level as the social um, uh, the, the social foibles of the Upper East Side is. Well, yeah, like, right, like, like, it makes sense within this understanding of, 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 of a transnational, uh, um, elite and, and, and that that was really how international politics happened. And it, and it wasn't necessarily about, 
you know, the national interest, um, because that is a, a post-French Revolution construction, right? Right. Um, this actually this strikes me as being this strikes me as being really on point with what we've said about Gossip Girl before. Uh, when you're talking about a transnational elite, it, and it's a it's kind of a throwback elite. It's an aristocratic elite, right? Right. 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 And and actually, it's it, the idea of dynastic inheritance has been uh, has been touched on in the series with, you know, Nate is a Vanderbilt, you know? Right, right, and, right. Um, uh, and he has certain responsibilities, and there was, like, the Vanderbilts versus the Buckleys, right. um, you know, uh, for a little while, early with the, the nanny from Privileged, uh, right, when he uh, sort of was, was hanging out with that redhead. Right. Um, that, uh, uh, you, know, you know, that these are... Um, these are inheritances that are that are uh, uh, passed down. That's right. That's right. So it's not just wealth that is passed down, but actually title um, and 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 actual political office. Right. Pa- pa- the prerogative, the right to govern, uh, is 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 itself passed down. Right? Sure. To trip and right briefly. Or, right. You know. Exactly. Um, that's right. Um, can we talk about? Can we talk a little bit about because we're we're uh, I think we're nearing nearing the end of our yeah, time. But can yeah. we talk about a little bit about what Europe, what sure. Europe means? Because it's sure. not just. I mean, it, you know, I think that that it is no accident in a way that that the French, uh, the French are chosen. Though you pointed out in the pre-show, um, though I'll steal your thunder here now that we're recording no, the live show fine. that they that they seem to represent the opposite of what we might think of as. Uh, you know the French political sphere being uh, being extremely egalitarian uh, post French re- Revolution, and this um, you know that that the French I, <laughs> wow nice siren by yeah, the way <laughs> I know this is this is the real New York this is the New York that you don't see on Gossip Girl. <laughs> Are there um, sirens, you know, like when uh, Lily calls the cops on Serena? I guess so. Um, or when, uh, right, when Chappaquiddick style trip leaves uh, Serena at the uh, at the side of the road, having had a, a car crash. Yeah, right. there are sirens. They always seem to involve Serena. I guess um, uh, uh, she herself, a kind of siren, though in the uh, in the Greek sense. What anyway, was I saying? French, yes, the French, the French. Um, they, they seem to be at once a. Um, uh, uh, a signifier of of uh, cultural elitism, but but also of kind of lax morals of licentiousness. So right. that you know, um, so that that guy, it's the French guy who's the head of the international college secret society, elitist secret society that Blair would like to uh, uh, become a member of at NYU. Right. Uh, yeah, as though that made any kind of sense. Uh, but also, you know, if um, if as they bone everywhere, uh, Nate and Serena bone in the coat room, it's kind of like right. no one's going to raise an eyelash. Uh, right. Eyebrow. Right. right. <laughs> wow, that siren must have rattled my yeah. my power of idiom. Um, the uh, maybe maybe that's what the emergency is. So uh, yeah, you're right. So that there's there's this weird um, there's this weird thing uh, that they that they have you know power cultural power though uh, you know I I was taken by the moment when uh, both the moment when the the musicians get sh- uh, get shushed um, because it's you know it's time for the big important people to do their speaking now um, the, uh, right so the, the music is not a uh, the music is not a cultural. Uh, uh, really has any music as a cultural force doesn't have any value as you might expect. It's really more a decoration right. for the for the aristocrats and and mm. a kind of glorification of their lives. The way in feudal Europe you would expect um, 
uh, your nobility to have on retainer, as it were, a lot of artists to make murals and sculptures and songs and poems and plays mm. about how awesome they were. Yeah. Um, not just that moment, but the moment when Carla Bruni was referenced, uh, you know, uh, in, the, in one of these great kind of real life Gossip Girl uh, crossovers that we've talked about before. Right, um, right. As the First Lady of France, uh, d- bringing with her the baggage of having been a supermodel and having been, you know, a legit global pop star. Right. Uh, by the time she she uh, shacks up with uh, Nicolas Sarkozy, um, that that these, you know, that this this has something to do with like the role of art. Uh, in this society, I don't know anything you want to say about France or about Europe generally. Well, I'm still, I'm still thinking. I mean, I think what's interesting, um, and I, you had started to, to to touch on this, but then I think the siren cut you off. Um, is this? It's presenting a view of France and and French society that's um, a little bit sort of. You know, restorationist, right? It's it's denying yeah. it's denying the revolution and it's denying uh, Napoleon, right? And this 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 sort of um, nationalist impulse, right? And, um, and and sort of se- like imagines. And I don't know French culture well enough to know, you know, what there is of a of of the like a hidden, uh, uh, you know. A hidden uh, aristocracy, um, but it's it's interesting. Actually, in some ways, it makes sense, though, right? So that you know, the British, uh, you know, there were British characters in the show um, that were kind of lampooned as being ridiculous and kind of, I think, almost quasi incestuous at the begin incestuous at the beginning of season two. Um, and so it's interesting in that you know that the, as a the European society that you know is the model of of sort of you know aris- aristocracy that 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 fits well um with 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 blair's uh, aspirations is is the french you know in in that you know america itself is a um post revolutionary society and that that should not you know that you know uh, you know abolish does not have titles of nobility right so that it's almost that it's the kind of uh makes sense to sort of see a kind of secret society of of a uh of a de facto nobility right so that although there is no um this yeah we've of, only we've only driven them underground exactly 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 um and so that i think that that that's how i make make sense of that right so that it's it's there's almost a denial of um of 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 the nationalist era right which is really the hallmark of of the modern state system is is nationalism, which is a you know post uh, post French Revolution um, you know idea that that the boundaries uh, of of the political boundaries should be uh, congruent with the the cultural boundaries with a with a nation with a people, um, and 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 this sort of says no, it's really about uh, it's it's really about us. The the, the rest of them are just uh, you know sacks of potatoes or something like that. Um, well, yeah, um, you know it's funny you bring up nationalism. I mean, I, I, you mentioned contemporary French society, and this may not be exactly on point, but I think of like uh, what's his name, Le Pen, uh, mm-hmm. and the the um, the the ascendancy in France over the last say decade of this kind of ultra rightist yes. crypto fascist nationalism that is that is basically about throwing the africans out of france throwing right. the throwing the muslims the uh um arab and african muslims out of france and kind of right. getting france back 
you know, for the for the white people, for the white French people. It's like, you know, le tea party. Yes, but Ryan, in, uh, in, in French, the adjective comes after the noun. So it would be, you le, know, le party tea. Right, right, <laughs> right exactly. Um, exactly. Or it would be like, a, what, what, would, what would the tea party of, uh, what was, uh, I don't know what the, the beverage that would have uh, the same kind of, resonance with the the french right if you're if you're if you're from france tell us uh what 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 uh the uh equivalent um of a tea party in france would be well, is if, there if, some i mean you'd have to think back to the revolution and think back to the you know it would it would be like the 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 terror party you know <laughs> <laughs> they're, they are in the, the they're, ropes- in the, they're in the business of terror le, uh, <laughs> le soiree you know le, uh, la soiree robespierre or le soiree Soiree Robespierre. I don't, I don't speak French, obviously. Um, yeah. Well, yes, absolutely. Um, and I think that, I mean, we could go, I mean, there's, um, I guess one last thing to maybe we can close on this. I mean, what do you, is it, is it important that, uh, that Damien is Belgian? Um, do you think that, that they, they just? Um, I mean, while we're talking about Europe um, and and the the portrayal of, of, of Europe, do you, they, do you think they just uh, uh, said uh, we need we need him to be a diplomat's son, uh, Belgium, or do you think that that's important? In I, the you know I I don't know. I would have to think about that more. I I throw that I throw that out to the to the listeners. I mean, I think with the the you know really sort of terrible grasp of, of uh, American grasp of geography, right? Like, and, and of the kind of nations of the world. Many, many of, of these fucking teenagers may not know what Belgium is, <laughs> yeah, right? Or like, couldn't, couldn't find it on a map. Um, you know, it's just a place where the Eurostar stops on their way to, uh, on their way to Amsterdam. <laughs> you know? Um, I, yeah, I, I was thinking, though, about – and maybe we can close on this, which is better. Uh, I, I was thinking oh, – okay. <laughs> No, I will not let you down. I will <laughs> – either we will end on my idea or we will not end at all. I will, I will filibuster. I will filibuster this podcast. <laughs> repeal. We will repeal this bill. Um, exactly. The uh, – you know, th- this transnational elite, I w- I'm trying to think about you think what... You think you're better than me? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm, I'm in acting school, right? <laughs> you, you, have a, you have a steady job <laughs> at, a, at a university I've heard of. Um, the, uh, yes, the, um, the transnational elite. I'm, I'm trying to think. I, I always try to think, uh, especially actually si- since I am in acting school and I'm, you know, contemplating a career in the entertainment field broadly, I, I try to think about the instrumental benefits of our in- entertainment. That is like, wh- what are we in it for? You know? And the, um, I was reading a New York Times interview, a New York Times Magazine interview the other day, and, uh, um, and the, the person being interviewed who was a, a literary critic at, um, uh, in, at Stanford, and of course I forget her name, uh, and I can't remember it, but she was talking about um, the demise of post-structuralism and what has, what has come to replace it. And she said, and this is something, this is something that my observation bears out well uh, as well, that the interesting people in, uh, in literature, in the arts generally, right now are interested in the brain. Like are interested mm. in kind of emerging discoveries in uh, in 
uh, neurology, in uh, uh, cognitive science, in neuropsychology, um, and that that we seem to be. You know, we seem to be hardwired to do this activity of telling stories or kind of do, doing these representative activities and, and that it seems to fill a function for us. And I think that, that you know, the, you can see uh, kind of culturally and maybe only in hindsight sometimes, but you can, you can see um, that, that the entertainment is related to larger cultural movements at any given period in, yeah. in history. Uh, and so, like, I, I was wondering about this, and I, w- I wonder if your, your theory of the, the transnational nobility is kind of a post-9-11 phenomenon, right? Um, that is, I wonder if we could have had a show with quite the, the uh, retrograde worldview that Gossip Girl has uh, b- before kind of the world went to shit uh, for America – uh, on 9-11, and then, you know, subsequently with the, the Great Recession, as I guess it's, it's now being called, the kind of the, the global economic collapse uh, of, the last part of, the, uh, of the last part of the decade that, that has just ended, um, that something about this idea of, of an intrinsically uh, aristocratic um, transnational elite is, is somehow comforting, uh, you know, even though even though it is not, it's kind of opposed to the American dream, which is the idea that that you can you too can achieve this. You know, you right. too can uh, attain this um, this kind of success. Uh, that belongs to sort of the nation of shopkeepers, right? That belongs to a nation of social mobility. But right. if it's if it really is, if what's at issue really is dynastic inheritance, then you can't attain it because you either have it or you right. don't. Right. Right. But but that there's something. There's something in it that, like, you know, it's like the Elizabethan great chain of being, right? Like, or, or you know, God's in his heaven, all's right with the world. Uh, there's a sense that there's a stability to this through time, which is certainly, uh, you know, not just in, in a time of, you know, uh, where uh, the, the myth of, of um, unfettered American imperial dominance has been yeah. shattered by terror, ter- uh, terrorism or by economic collapse, yeah. but yeah. In, in an era of... Uh, dizzyingly rapid technological change, mm-hmm. you know, and of, uh, you know, of the ascendancy of other uh, economic, political, and military superpowers in the world, yes. that yes. there's something, um, there's something comforting about, uh, about knowing that these people are there. Yes. Yeah. I think that that makes sense. Um, and I think though that also that these kinds of, you know, the changes in the international system, and and the technological changes that you that you describe also allow for this right the the world is flat right but it's, <laughs> but the, the world is flat but it's not but it's it's in it, it, there's like it's I would think of it more as a series of mesas right and so there's um and 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 that, that there are um, different- oh that's that's funny the world is flat but it's not all the same flat. Right. Exactly. Um, exactly. So that there. So that what we've been describing is one plane, um, yeah. and that there are other planes that are flat in different ways, right? So because even what you were describing when you were talking about this as a post nine eleven phenomenon, I was actually reminded um, of an article that I wrote for for the website um, two years ago now. Um, uh, that was in which uh, it was about the French. Um, hipster rapper yell um and and in this i sort of sort of actually talked you know it was called we all are americans which is the title of the um le mans uh 
post nine eleven um, headline. Uh, you know, sort didn't, of didn't someone say that? Didn't like Jacques Chirac say that or something I think like so. that? Yeah, I think we are so. all Americans now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and sort of what I sort of said um, is that. Um, that uh, I mean, you know, we were I, Americans I, for a little while. Then we were all Indonesian after the uh, after right, the right. after the tidal yeah. wave, and then we were all Haitian, right? Like, right, right, and, right. But what I think is interesting is what I argued in that article. It's where I coined the term "syncretic transnational hipsterati." Right, right. Um, and because what's which so is the fast- which is the uh, which is the name of our experimental noise collective? Exactly. Um, but so I think that that is another plane, uh, another plane of, uh, of 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 flatness and sort of cultural exchange um that is very much driven by by um by the internet and by technological change but you know as i argued in that piece also is related to the kind of post nation state era right is there's a the it's the uh the 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 end the end of hipstery if you will (laughs) (laughs) and that yes sir you have topped me that is the place uh where where we will end <laughs> so you know, uh, you know, you can get us uh, at podcast at overthinkingit uh, You can follow us at TFT Podcast uh, on the Twitters. You can uh, you can leave a comment on the show notes, or you know, use the contact form on the blog to get in touch with us, or uh, leave a voicemail. You can come to, you can come to my office hours. <laughs> 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 oh, wouldn't that be fantastic? I actually, you know, consider whether for privacy reasons you want to uh, you want to reveal that. But wouldn't that be? Wouldn't it just make your semester if a listener from uh, from these fucking teenagers actually showed up at your office hours to talk about political science? I mean, it, it's 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 it would be pretty cool. I mean, I think we should consider having a TFT office hours. Um, <laughs> actually, that's not you know. Now that we're at the the overthinking podcast is is video streaming live mm-hmm. Sundays mm-hmm. Um, on uh, UStream. There's yes. a UStream channel, and we actually could do that. Uh, I, I think it would be a less regular thing, and it, it may or may not actually be an episode, but I think we could do that and take questions because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have a feeling that with this show, there's a lot of background material. We throw out a lot of names of uh, political or cultural or philosophical thinkers who, um, you know, I, I think we could fill in a little background sure. uh, and some of the, some of the, like, the terminology and the, the sort of norms and scope conditions of the, the academic discourses that we engage mm-hmm. in, um, uh, in the course of doing this podcast. Though, in, in a podcast about Gossip Girl and Glee, it seems ridiculous that I used any of the words I just did in this session. So would you like to see, uh, let us know. You know, there, we have all these channels. Too many, perhaps, <laughs> channel. We're too contactable to, um, to get in touch with us. Let us know. If you would like to uh, to see any of those things, and we will be um, uh, we will be glad to uh, to do some some office hours. Uh, do us a favor and forward this show on to a friend who you think will enjoy it. We're we're interested now in in growing this audience because we we really like this uh, we really like this uh, show. You know, and and, and uh, until we write our you know Thomas Friedman slash Malcolm Gladwell slash Sudhir Venkatesh, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, right, like uh, uh, pop, um, uh, uh, intellectual history, intellectual journalism book, using uh, using um, using Gossip Girl as a uh, text for um, uh, as a text for understanding uh, uh, politics and culture. Uh, you can find us here, uh, and 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 you should do it for the children. You should do it for the adults. 
You should do it for the society, but more than anything, you should do it for these, these fucking, fucking teenagers. teenagers.